That's what we're continuing in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor, now is the day of salvation. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path, so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, and imprisonments, and riots, and hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, and purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, in truthful speech, and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness from the right hand, and on the left. Through glory and dishonor, bad report, good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet, yet not yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affections from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children. Open wide your hearts also. This is the word of God for all people. So God, or Paul sees himself and God as co-workers. And I think that's, that's an important piece for us. We're in ministry with Jesus Christ. They're partners. Uh, last week we were in 2 Corinthians 5 and we talked about Jesus having a ministry of reconciliation. It's uh, 2 Corinthians 5.18. And, and Paul is an ambassador for Christ, who's in 520. He works with Jesus. And it's not that God needed Paul or needed any of us, really. It's not that he needs us. Instead, it's that God wants us to work with him. He wants us to be workers together with him for the good. Now, it's Father's Day, right? Did any of y'all know the yard or doing that kind of stuff? Yeah. Did you ever have a one of your kids has a, a, a toy lawnmower. Surely, have you seen the dad or you know mowing the yard and little Johnny mowing right behind him on these plastic and they cut the thing? And it would be easier for the dad to tell Johnny to you know go put it up, right? Because he's likely to get in the way. It's, it's not helpful for for Johnny to be, little Johnny to be out there, but he doesn't do that, does he? Kind of likes that Johnny is a co-worker with him. He likes that his son is out, out, out there doing it. It's good for his son to be working with his dad because dad loves his son. He wants him to work together with him, and that's what we're talking about here. God wants us to work together with him because he loves us so much. He wants us to work with him. And there's something good and important in work itself. As we accept Christ, and we got several of our, our young, young people are, 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 are going to be doing this today, it's not so that we can become lazy. We're not called to laziness. We're called to activity. God's best for our life is never just sitting on our in the chair and <laughs> right it, it's not just sitting down and not doing anything go okay I accepted Jesus and that's all good I don't have to do anything else 
That's not Christianity. That's not what Jesus calls us to. It's not that call us to be couch potatoes. Doesn't call us to be few potatoes either. That call us to be potatoes. He calls us to get active and to participate. And, and the beauty is, is that God is with us in that. Paul himself, he, he never said that God works together with us. It, it isn't our work that God helps us with. It's his work. It's his work that he asks us to participate with him in. Often we try to get God to do what we want him to do. Well, okay, maybe you know. Often I try to get God to do what I want God to do, right? I want him to participate in my work. I want him to do what I want. Where I would be better off if I would find out what God is doing and go there. Work with him because that's what we're called to. And this picture of ambassadors is actually a really good one. Ambassadors are folks who work for the leader of the country, right? Or, or used to be kings. Uh, we have ambassadors in our country, so they work for the president. They work together with the king, but they don't go out and set policy. They don't go out. They're not the ones that, that have an agenda. Well, they're not supposed to go out and have an agenda. It, or, or the power and authority doesn't rest with them. It rests with the king or, or the president or the leader. Their job as the ambassador is to deliver the message of the king. And the king expects the ambassador to fulfill that part of his agenda. So for us, our king is God. So as ambassadors for God, our job is to not fulfill our agenda, but to, to go where he is and, and to be about his business. Fulfill his agenda in the world. That's what it means to be an ambassador. Paul goes on and, and he says that he pleads or urges them. He pleads with the Corinthian Christians. He's trying to make a case. Look, guys, I've been there. I helped you out early on. And, you know, I wrote you one letter and you didn't respond very good to that. So I'm writing you another one and you're still having a hard time. To plead is to beg. And Paul was not too proud to beg because he knew what was at stake. Last week we talked about the eternity. In fact, the last couple of weeks, we talked about what's eternal and, and what's not. And, and this is, we're talking about eternity here. That's what's at stake. So Paul's not, not ashamed to go to them and go, look, listen to me. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. The Corinthian Christians had obviously received the grace of God. They would not be Christians otherwise. We just receive the grace of God. That's what we're going to do this afternoon. Receiving the grace of God. To receive the grace of God in vain is to receive the goodness, receive the goodness and the favor of God, but then to get in the way of God's grace, the work of God's grace in your life. And I'm a good example of this. I was a Christian during my addiction. So God's grace was in my life, right? He, he was working in my heart. That's why I was under conviction so much. But I hindered the work of God in my life because of my alcohol and drug addictions. You see how that works? God's grace was there, but I got in the way of it because of what I was doing. And he's telling the Corinthians, don't do the things that you're doing because you're hindering the work of the grace of God. 1 Corinthians 15.10. We all understood this. This is, a, this is receiving the favor of God is, a, is an act of grace. 
1 Corinthians, but by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I. Hear this, but the grace of God which was with me. Hear that. I labored more abundantly than they all. All were hard, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. God's grace is what God is. Paul. And God's grace is, grace isn't given because of the things that we do. It's not given because of works that we have, past, present. It's not, I'm going to go do this great thing for you, God. That's kind of arrogant, right? I'm going to go do this, you know, the creator of all that there is. Uh, watch me. Watch me impress you, God. Um, God's grace isn't contingent on any of that stuff. But it doesn't mean that we don't work to encourage us to do good and to work hard. He doesn't want us to receive grace and become passive as the Corinthian church did. Paul knew that God gives his grace. We work hard and the work of God is done. And a lot of us struggle with that. A lot of Christians struggle with that point. Is God supposed to do it or am I supposed to do it? What's the answer? Yes. Yes. God is supposed to do it, and we are supposed to do it. It's one of those tensions of Christianity. It's not all one or all. It's, it's God doing it with, and us doing it with Him. Trust God, rely on Him, and get to work and work as hard as you can. Not randomly, but focus. I mean, Shepard, that's a great example. Simple thing, right? Answering phones. Huge. Huge. You get the right information out to the right people. People who don't have food can get food. People who don't have things that they need to live life can get by answering the phone. You can get a phone in the right direction, really. I can answer the phone. I don't do it very well, but I could. Trust God, rely on Him, then get to work. That's how we see the work of God accomplished in our, in our lives. And we've seen it around here. You can look at the parking lot, you can look at the hill, and you can look at the building over there, what we're about to do out here. We work, and we watch God see what he does. God is a good God. Then he goes into an Isaiah quote. It's kind of like, well, what's he doing that for? Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Well, the simple truth is, we don't have all the time in the world. We don't know when, when the end of all this is. And we look at the world around us and all the things that are going on, and I don't know about you, but it ain't looking good for, for a long run. There's an urgency in Paul's message to the Corinthians 2,000 years ago. An urgency for us to grab hold of as well. God has a day of salvation, but it will not last forever. The day will come when people cannot get saved. So this is not the time for us to be consumed with what's easy or self-focused. This is the time for us to be about the business of God, to love one another, to love God, and to love our neighbor as ourselves, and to become who God is calling us to be. It's different for each of us, but it's powerful for each of us as well. It's time to get busy for the Lord. 
he worked together with him. And then Paul goes into the credentials he has with the blameless minister. And I'm not going to go through all that. It's verses 4 through 10. And he does it. He's trying to lay something out for him. So I'm going to give you an overview of what I think he was trying to do. He says, we commend ourselves to start that off. He's commending himself before them. And he starts out with an interesting word. The actual Greek word is epomene. And what it means is it can be translated, some translations call it patience, others call it endurance. So what he's saying is that we endure. In great endurance, we, we're, we're going to endure, we're going to be patient. But it's not a, a sit-on-your-tail kind of patience. It's, it's not that kind of thing. The, the, the meaning of the Greek word does not mean, okay, I'm just going to sit in the chair and wait and be patient. It means I'm going to be actively patient. I'm going to do the things that I I think I'm called to do. In troubles, hardships, and distresses. So he starts out talking about some of those things. And his resume as an apostle, as an ambassador, and as a co-worker with Jesus. He endured, he endured, he endured all of these things. And these are general things. These are things that all of us go through. Amen? Do you have troubles in your life? Do you have any struggles? Hardship? Is there anything that gets under your skin? Any any distresses in your life? These are life things. So Paul starts out with, look, life is going to happen. And these things happen. But he quickly moves into things outside of that. And he points at things that happen to him that were inflicted by other people, beatings, imprisonments, and riots, he continues. And the word for beatings is also stripes. Back then, that meant getting beat and wounded of wounds in the back, given stripes by a whip. Imprisonment. Paul spent a lot of time in jail. Tried to convert a lot of jailers. And riots. Those are things of violence from mobs. He found himself in that situation quite often. And then he didn't stop there because he also understood some of the things that he went through he inflicted upon himself. Hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger. He didn't have to do those things. Those are things he chose to do for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was a co-worker with Jesus. That meant that his will became secondary to God's will. They're true trials. There's no doubt about it. But he did those to himself. So he goes through life, it's things that happen in life. These are things common. Things that happen to him because at the hand of others, and things that happen to him because of his own choice. And it's not that he's complaining about those things, but they were relevant to his need for patience, for endurance. Because he knew he needed endurance. He knew he needed that. He knew many things in this life. Would, would beat on him and, and be difficult to get through. Life is hard sometimes. Amen. Amen. Life is hard. Yeah. Trust in the Lord with all your strength. Lean not on your own understanding. He has a solution. Not every trial that Paul went through was the same, but each of them in their own way helped him on the road. Helped him to endure. And we're in need of that in the church. They were in need of that. 
we were at annual conference last week, as I mentioned, and after a long day on Wednesday, and things can be pretty well at annual conference. We woke up to the news that nine brothers and sisters at Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church in Charleston had been shot. Been terrorized by a young man. Held for an hour in prayer hoping to trigger a race war. And I understand there's a long history of racial violence in the South, but I have longed for and hoped for and continue to do so that we're moving past it, guys. Now I've heard people say, well, that just shows that the younger generation is traveling the same path. I don't buy that for a second. I, I, I think I have great hope. I have great hope in your generation, Kevin. I have great hope in your generation to move past this, to make progress. And it's going to take time, I know. It's mind boggling to me that we still struggle with the amount of melanin content in somebody's skin as a different thing. The reason people are darker or lighter is because of how much melanin is in their skin. There's a lot of big questions that we as people need to wrestle with. We as a church need to wrestle with. And I hope you're wrestling with those questions and not ignoring them. Being a Catholic, being a Christian is not new, though. Passage has been our passage for a month now. This was on the slate for me to preach on. Paul went through this way back when, being persecuted. And this persecution goes on in Christians all over the place. It's just, we tend not to think of it in terms of happening here because it doesn't happen here, right? Only it did. Paul went through those things for his faith. And nine more were killed for their faith because of the characters. Mentioned four reverends, Reverend Clementa Pinkley, 41, younger than me. Cynthia Hurd was 54, you know how old I am? 54. And Reverend Sharon McCullen Singleton, 45. Tawanda Sanders was 26 years old. Ethel Lampton, 70. Sidney Jackson, 87. Payne Middleton, Doctor, 49. The Reverend Daniel Simmons, 74. Myra Thompson, 59. Didn't matter how old you were to this young man. Didn't matter where he came from. He, he was out. If he'd been that, he did. Four pastors, wife of a pastor, all ages, dead, in a prayer meeting on Wednesday night. I think it's important to bring their names forward today because the truth is that if the shooter would have his way, the church has become a target. He's hoping that the response is, well, if you're going to shoot up our churches, we're going to shoot up your churches. The war is on. That's what Dylan Ruth is hoping for. And it's a response that could be argued for and probably is being argued about outside of this place. Let me put it this way. Try to put this in perspective. If we have a Wednesday night Bible study here, what if instead of those names, the names were Reverend Michael Devine, Kit Devine, Jerry Bowen, Becky Bowen, Marshall Robertson, Charles Morris, Don Crub, Patty Crub, and Myra Pitts. And the random minority picker race comes in 
doesn't like the fact that our skin color is light and open spot. And he kills all the ones. And the one that he lets live is so that they can tell others what he did. What was your response to that? I'm dead. Kids dead. Leaders of this church are dead. Because our skin is wrong. Would you be angry? See, the impact of this act of terror is real to me. I'll tell you that straight up. I work by myself over 80% of the time when I'm here at church. I don't praise people, or, and I don't want to carry a gun. I'm not going to carry a gun in this place. And I'm not going to close the door and not let them in. It's not going to do that. If someone wanted to come and kill me, it would not be a problem. They would be able to come in and take care of that with no problem at all. And it would, they may not even get caught. Because I'm alone. I see that. I see that a lot more clearly. But I'm also not going to let Dylan Ruth get what he wants and make me stop doing all the things that I can do in this church to welcome all people, to love all people, and to serve all people. If that gets me shot, then okay. I'm here. I guess I'll just get to go to heaven a little bit earlier than what I anticipated. <coughs> I wasn't thinking about those kind of things Tuesday or Wednesday. I've been thinking about those things since Thursday. But Paul doesn't leave us hanging. And I love this about Paul in this passage. So yes, we're going to have all those things happen, right? But he also tells us what he does to deal with it. And for us today, these are things to grab hold of. How did he get through the things he went through? In purity. In understanding. Patience and kindness. Hard things these days. He got through them in the power of the Holy Spirit. He got through them with sincere love. Truthful speech. And in the power of God. And the weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left. The shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit that is the Word of God. Those are our tools. We're encouraging and encouraging and encouraging you to get into Scripture because that's part of this. To become who you're called to be. You've got to get into the Word. You've got to get into study. You've got to do these things. These are the things that Paul took advantage of. In order to deal with life, deal with things that were inflicted upon him, and to deal with things that he inflicted upon himself. If he honestly lists his trials, he's also going to honestly list the fruit of the Spirit and the power of God in his life. The power of God in Paul's life is powerful. And the power of God in our life can be and should be powerful. 
kudos to, 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 to Emmanuel, by the way, the family that stood up and said that they forgive that, the, the young man. All except one family. I don't know how to do that. Give it to them. And the Spirit touched them and believed it. So we, we, are, we, we have defense and we have offense. But it's not to beat people up or to do those kind of things or, or to commit violent acts. Those are things that are of the Spirit for us. And they may not protect my life, but they protect my soul. And no terrorist, no anybody can rob me of what's in my soul. And I will not allow that to happen. God be with you. I pray you don't either. Now Paul wanted to reconcile. As I hope we all do, honestly. He says, we've spoken freely to you. Our heart is wide open. See, practice what he teaches. Preaches. Of course, I am in Georgia for preaching. <laughs> Ephesians 4.15 talks about speaking the truth in love. And I hope that that's what you're hearing this morning. He genuinely loved the Corinthians with an open heart. Love. He would also speak openly to them. Guys, you're restricted by what? By yourselves. You're not open to us. You're not. You're, you're doing things on your own will. And that should that should strike a chord with us. That's what gets in our way a lot of times. But our own wants and desires first. Paul wanted to see that Corinthians become more honest with themselves and more honest with him. See, the rift could be healed, but it was in the hands of the Christians to do it. They had to be open. And we have to be open too, right? We need to be open to healing. It's time for an end to hate based on skin color. There are good, bad, gracious, and evil people of every skin color in the country. There, it's just the way it is. There's good folks and there's bad folks. There's evil and, and there's good. Now, I don't know where it all comes from, but that's, that's, it's not based on something as simple as the color of one's skin. Christ came for all. I spoke about that last week. He came for the Dylan and the Ruth He came for each of the nine represented here. He came for you and he came for me. And he extends that to us. He extends that grace to each. So may we grab hold of it. May we become the hands and feet of Christ as we seek to be in this place. May we love one another no matter what. That's what we're called. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. If we get those two right, we can be all okay.